I'm delighted to be back, of course, with you talking about something that's really important. Obviously, you are in the throes of understanding how technology has changed uh, the children and the young people who you work with. I'm going to bring up the slides. And um, if we could leave the slides up, and we probably don't need me up on screen much, because there's going to be slides with a lot of information. Feel free to take pictures of any slide if you would like. Take notes if you want. I'm not, I don't, it's not about me. Just do what you need to do to make um, this a profitable time. But I want to talk with you about how technology influences the belief and the behavior of the kids who you serve. I'm not an expert about technology and about different platforms. I don't know anything about Snapchat and you know some of the newer kinds of things. Um, what I'm an expert at, I think, is childhood and um, what technology is doing to the mind and the heart and the spirit of our children. So I did write a book. We're selling our books out there, which I think a lot of you have found. But Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World, this is about the lies that I believe technology is teaching, and I'm going to share these with you today. Technology is here to stay. I'm not anti-tech. I'm anti what it does to us, and we need to be really careful. So with that kind of said, because time is um, limited, let me jump right into um, this. And I, I might have to keep turning around to make sure that the slide's working. But for those of you that are interested, Personal Computer invented 41 years ago. World Wide Web 29 years ago, the iPhone 15 years ago. So those are kind of generational differences that you'll see. How many of you are older than 41, like I am? So how many of you remember typewriters? I remember my first electric typewriter. I remember when they invented whiteout. How many of you were excited because you no longer had to erase and rip a hole in the paper, right? How many of you remember the invention of the black and white typewriter ribbon? You push the button, the white, yeah, and some of you are like, what is she talking about? Um, we've always had technology, we've always had speed of change, but obviously nowadays it's way quicker, you know, than it used to be. Now the cardboard boxes are there for me to remember to say to you that I am more interested in spiritual age than I am in chronological age. I appreciate that the guys put the, the, screen, um, the screen up there in the back. We'll, we'll come back to what I just said in just a second. Um, yeah, okay. 80% of the brain's communication capability is developed after we're born. 80% of the brain's communication capability after we're born. Only 20% of a person's brain is hardwired for communication. 80% after you're born. That's why if you allow children on devices 24-7, 365, their brains are very different from the children who play outside and color and interact and play games. You guys with me here? And you're going to begin to see that. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Again, I'm going to back up and say this because I realize it's not on the slide. I am more interested in spiritual age than chronological age. There are a lot of people who talk about chronological age, people who are Gen Zs, people who are millennials, people who are younger than 16. There's some truth to that, but how many of you know that if you're a Christ follower, you better be different? And I love to tell young people, are you following Christ or are you following Twitter? And if you are following Christ, your behavior better be different from your peer group who doesn't know Jesus. And if you're not different, then something's wrong and it's not Jesus. You know, and sometimes they clap and they even give me a standing ovation. Um, they give themselves a standing ovation when they realize that they're, they're behaving well. Now, obviously, discipleship matters. A child who comes to faith in Christ to check it off a list and to please a mom who doesn't invest in the things of Christ, doesn't learn the Holy Spirit and, and how to be obedient to that, of course, is not going to be very different from the people who don't yet know Jesus. Also, what does it do to the heart? Now, the brain is influenced greatly by technology. We can do MRIs of your brain and we can prove that. But I am much more concerned with how the heart is transformed by technology. Let me ask you a question. Be honest with me. How many of us are more impatient than we used to be? Yeah. 
more important question, how many of us are more impatient than we know we ought to be? Yeah, and why is that? The click of the mouse, the GPS, the, the spell check, the everything's on your phone. And one of the things I, I say again is, you know, are you a Christ follower, aren't you? One of the things I love to say to teenagers is God's not going to rewrite the Bible for your generation, nor should he. And patience will always be a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen and amen. And I, I say that to really challenge, like if I get in the wrong line at the airport, or if, something, if I'm waiting for something to boot up on my computer, have any of you yelled at your computer? Like, does it help? Would any, does anybody know? Like, because it doesn't seem to help me. Um, so if you have the secret, let me know. But, you know, impatience comes easier. So here we, we at Celebrate Kids, we believe that character age counts. I'm really interested in maturing their character. And I'm really interested in, if I were to, I, I don't care about your chronological age. I care about your spiritual age and your character age. Do you act your age or better than that? Amen. And so again, if you were to read our stuff, you would, you would read about those kinds of things. But without further ado, what you're really here for is um, the, the five lies. And for each of the lies, I'm going to explain very quickly what causes it. You're going to know that. I'm not going to dwell there. What it causes and what you can do about it. So what causes it, what it causes, and what you can do about it. Now, I'm only going to have time to share two practical ideas to solve the problem. My book has hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, and I would encourage you to purchase it today because we're a ministry and we're blessed by that, or go to your site and get it there. Are you ready for lie number one? You think you are. Line number one is, I am the center of my own universe. How many of you know people who believe that? Yeah, there are some teenagers and young adults who say, oh, Kathy, I'm not the center of my own universe. I'm the center of the universe, right? Well, what would cause them to think that? The phone, when I was a kid, if the phone rang, I had to answer it because we did not even have an answering machine. And now if the phone rings, you can look at it and go, oh, I'm not in the mood. And you can create your own little bubble universe. How many of you remember saving $18 and driving to the store hoping the album would be there that you wanted for the one song that you thought you liked? Now, if you like a song, you can play the song forever on the device that mom and dad let you have in your bedroom that they might not even know that you're binge listening to. TV, you watch what dad watched. Now we can watch whatever we want on our devices. Um, the like factor on social media, right? There are so many things that cause us to believe that we are the center of our own universe. They come to this naturally. So what does it cause? Now, this is the bigger concern for me. And this is a list. Take a picture if you want or jot it down if you want. But the, again, you guys are bright enough to just get the concept here if you're tired already this morning that this is why they're self-centered. How many of you are concerned about self-centered and selfish people? Any of you, have you, how many of you have served in the ministry long enough to see that it's not like it used to be? In fact, I wrote this book because parents of many children came to me and said, Kathy, why are our younger children so hard to raise? I would have thought younger kids were easier to raise because I knew what I was doing, but they've become hard, and what was hard was technology entered into their world. And now they have a device that feeds them the lie that they matter more than anyone else, and they can have whatever they want when they want it the way they want it right now. So they're entitled. How many of you have kids who are not grateful? Very entitled. How many of you have kids who are not satisfied? Nothing's ever good enough for them? That's partly because of this lie. Um, they're angry because they are not the center. And when they figure that out and they're treated like they're not, so anger, could I just ask you up here in Minnesota, are you guys, what a stupid question for me to be asking in Minnesota, are you concerned about anger? Anybody here? All five lies that I'm going to share with you contribute to anger. And so I believe there are a lot of people angry and they don't know why. 
And when I show them these lies, I've had young people weep with me at the altar when they realize they're not terrible people, they've been deceived by the device in their pocket. And it's, I'm going to say something boldly. I don't believe we're addicted to the phone. We're actually addicted to the adrenaline drip. We're addicted to the adrenaline. How many of you know what I mean by that? It buzzes, it rings, it tings, and it bangs. You're playing a game and you want to stop, but you have to play again to see if you can get a bigger score. We're addicted to the adrenaline, but I also think we're addicted to the lies. Young people are addicted to the lie that they can be the center, and that's why they don't want to put their phone away. Because if they're not on their phone for the like factor, and if they can't control their universe, they are lost. Raise your hand if this is making sense to anybody in the room. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's really good. What I think I do in this presentation, I'm going to teach you some things, but what I'm going to do is give you language to understand what you've seen. How many of you know language is powerful? I'm giving you a way to talk about it in your church. I'm giving you a way to stand in front of your youth group and talk about it in a way that's not anti-tech. It's anti-sin. Because look at the list. By the way, why are they lonely? It's not COVID. They're lonely because why would I talk to you? Right? The only reason I talk to you in the youth group is if you can affirm that I'm the center, but you can't affirm I'm the center, why not? Because they think they're the center. So they walk around orbiting the room, and nobody knows where to sit and, and who to talk to. And what about God? What's the purpose of God if I'm the center of my own universe? He serves me. So two things you can do. Now, there's many, many more than this, but just to, to give you a, a, some solution, because I don't want to leave you in a state of great stress. Um, but our young people need to learn to handle boredom. None of us liked boredom when we were young either, but today's kids don't like boredom because they don't feel significant when they're bored. Does that make sense to you? Because if you think you're the center of your own, own universe, then someone should always be serving you and meeting your needs and talking about you and celebrating you. And so if you're bored, then there's something terrifying. And of course, to be other-centered and to serve together, to serve as a family, to serve as a church, to serve as a youth group, to serve as the fourth graders matters greatly because when you serve, you get your eyes off of yourself and that entitlement and that self-centeredness um, tends to go away. Now, there is a truth for each of the lie. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can wrestle with that yourself. In the, in the book, if you choose to read my book, um, and by the way, the book does come. If you buy the book, you do get video of me teaching each chapter in front of a live audience that you can use in a, in a youth group or in a, in a parenting group or at your home on the couch with your kids and let me bring up some of the stuff that you want to bring up. Um, but in the book, I do teach a truth that combats the lie. But rather than giving you my interpretation, I would just encourage you to wrestle a little bit with that if the lie is I, uh, that I am the center of my own universe, what do you think the truth is? This one's not hard. God's the center, and we are not, and we can learn to live with that. Are you ready for lie number two? You're going to die. <laughs> right? Right? I deserve to be happy all the time. How many of you can instantly think of people? who complain and argue and debate and are never satisfied. So why are they happy all the time? By the way, the, the truth is not you should be unhappy all the time. <laughs> I do not want people to be unhappy, but why am I concerned about this lie? Because we make decisions to stay happy. How many of you have seen that happen, right? I don't want to study. It doesn't make me happy. I don't want to be on time. It doesn't make me happy. I'm not going to memorize the verse. It doesn't make me happy. I'm not going to serve. It doesn't make me happy. 7 a.m. on a Saturday? That won't make me happy. So they're making decisions based on staying happy, which ultimately could kill them because they text and they drive. Because they're the center of their own universe and nothing touches them. And they deserve to be happy and this makes me happy. The Coca-Cola's campaign is open happiness, 
This is the generation that were giving trophies for showing up and a happy meal if they were disgusting in their behavior. Let's go get a happy meal. Um, and there's so many other things. Technology is now new, entertaining, about me. I can win any game I play because I X out of the games I might lose. How many of us have X out of games we might lose? We are weak. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. The reboot button is a brilliant invention, but we don't come with one. If they're raised by technology and not with it, they can actually get a warped perspective that they can reboot their lives. I have looked right into the eyes of hundreds of young people to say, if you saw it, you saw it, you said it, you said it, you did it, you did it. And I'll sometimes very boldly, depending upon where I am, even say if you abort a baby, you've aborted a baby. Um, you don't come with a reboot button. What's all this cause? Check it out, right? Decision-making for happiness, which is unhealthy. Complaining and arguing because they're trying to stay happy all the time and you don't make them happy. You actually expected them to show up for Bible quiz on time. Who do you think you are? <laughs> the leader. What a concept. Um, you know, they're never satisfied. Of course, less effort. Why? Because effort, perseverance, diligence, that doesn't make me happy. Everything should be easy, so they use less effort. They're dropping out of school. They're dropping out of church. They're dropping out. Of, and do, how many of you employ young people, and have any of you already seen these lies in the young people? Yeah. So listen with the people you serve at the church, but also if you're in corporate America, this is why you recruit them and then they quit their jobs. Because you're not serving them the way that they expect to be served. Of course, they're angry. And depression is real because, again, I want to be happy all the time. That is not realistic. Could I just boldly say, you know, that's not realistic, but not even that. It's not biblical. Now, blessed, yes. And there are places in the scripture that blessed and happy. It could have been translated happy, but it wasn't. Um, so be careful of that. And again, what's God's, what's God's job? Make me happy, right? Keep me happy? They treat God like Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, that'll preach. How many of you know that's true? I, I can be so guilty of that. I can pray and feel so good that I pray, but then go do what I want. But I prayed, and God could have stopped me. <laughs> okay. Do you guys like me? <laughs> Am I making you feel better about yourself? <laughs> that's so good. Chris, thanks for inviting me to speak here. Oh my gosh, I like your people. So much fun. So much fun. Hey, now I'm going to make you unhappy, though, so I just thought I'd build you up, and now I'm going to tear you down. Um, <laughs> let, let me say that there is another thing that causes the happy lie, and that's a parenting style. Weak parents, I, I would say younger parents who have also bought the lies, try to keep their kids happy. Go to bed when you want, eat what you want, study if you want, go to church if you want. I was asked on the women's podcast for your district Yesterday, if I thought church attendance was mandatory. <laughs> Did you make your kids go to school? Did you make them practice their piano? I kind of think Jesus is more important. Um, but that's a whole other speech. So two things that we can do to combat the happy lie. We have got to help ourselves and our young people. And again, 41 and under, right? Personal computer 41 years ago. World Wide Web 29. I'm not talking about little six-year-old kids here. I'm talking about the young adults in your crowd. I'm talking about the people in their 30s who have never known life without the ease of the device. 
We have got to help them process hard emotions. They want to stay happy all the time, which means they ignore grief and fear and hate and hardship and frustration and depression and anxiety. And they just want to stay happy all the time. How many of you would want to be married to a person who stuffed all of that for years and years? I mean, we're looking at generational dysfunction times two if we don't help people figure out that these are real emotions that you do not run from. God is able to handle your fear, amen? And God is all about handling your disappointment and your frustration and all those kinds of things. So help your boys and your girls. If I had time, I would talk with you more about the boy factor. But ask me a question during question and answer time about the hard emotions for boys if you want to. I mean, then talk about purposes of challenges. Obviously, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is very clear, Romans 3 and other places, that we grow up through the challenges that we encounter. Raise your hand if that's true of you. How many of you have a better mature character because you've gone through some challenges? How many of you have deeper faith because you've gone through some challenges, right? Because God shows up there. So we have people dropping out of faith and dropping out of church and dropping out of, of all of this that we stand for because they've never really experienced it themselves to own it because they do a U-turn at the beginning of every valley because they won't be happy there. Now the new book I wrote that's coming out in August is a whole book on resiliency about how to raise up generations that will walk through the valley. Not ignore it and not sit down in it, but experience God's blessings through it. If you want to be a part of that launch team, make sure that you follow us on social media. Get our email newsletter, which you can subscribe to from our, news, from our website, CelebrateKids.com. We would invite you to be a part of the action. Is this making sense to you so far today? Okay, that's only um, the second lie. And then, of course, there is a truth, and I'm going to let you kind of wrestle with that. How would you word the truth? The lie is that I deserve to be happy all the time. Let me give you the third lie. You're going to see that they all fit together. Lie number three is, I must have choices. Right? Right? Because one of the ways that I feel like I'm the center of the universe and one of the ways that I stay happy is that I make the choices. How many of you have experienced that? Have any of you, you know, you've got chicken on the grill and they want steak? Or how many of you said, let's read Philippians, and they're like, how about Colossians? You're like, we're going to start at 9. I was thinking 9.15. I know of preschool directors, I'm glad you're here, young lady, that your baby has still not come. Um, I want to be in the baby book, but like not that way. Um, but I know of preschool directors whose parents have said, like parents of the children have said, I need you to open at 6.30 so I can drop off my kid and be at work on time. No, am I with me there? That, I'm not making that up, right? right, right? Now, notice the Cheerios. When I was a child, we ate Cheerios, Corn Flakes, and Rice Krispies. And Dave and I were happy. And true story, if Dave and I were good, we got kicks and tricks. That's a true story. How many of you have 10 kinds of cereal in the cupboard to keep your kids happy, and now it's all stale and nobody's happy? And I want to know, how long, why did it take so long to flavor Triscuits? I mean, we haven't flavored Cheerios for years. Now, when I go to my Albertsons on Lake Worth Boulevard in Fort Worth, Texas, they should know I'm coming because I am the center of my own universe. And it is their job to keep me happy and give me choice. So I get in front of the cracker section, and I want my Triscuits. They're not there. And I'm screaming inside, why are there all these dill herb things? Obviously, nobody eats these. <laughs> Anybody? Like, where are my Triscuits? Now, for you, it might be your seat at the movie theater. For you, it might be your prime rib that they ran out of or your, you know, whatever. But oh my goodness, we're so prideful in our demand to have it our way. Why do they think this? Well, all the apps on their phone. The drop-down menu effect. When I, when I wrote the first version of this book, 
Um, by the way, the movie, well, the first movie I was in with Kirk Cameron, the documentary, was based on this. It's called Connect. It's still available. Um, Kirk Cameron and I discussed the lies. It's a really excellent book for um, young people to observe. There are testimonies. There's no mention of or showing of things like pornography, but it is implied. But um, you can watch that. It's called Connect. It's available on a DVD for purchase. I, every once in a while, it shows up on Netflix. But, but here's the thing. Um, when I wrote the book, drop-down menu was the effect. Everything you open on a device has a drop-down menu. Right now there's all these apps, and so we're expecting choice. Now those of us who are older, we know choice is a privilege. Young people think it is their right. And so to stay happy, they demand choice, and it's gonna kill them. There's 2,000 TV stations with nothing to watch. There's millions of songs on iTunes. Um, there's so many products. You know, in the old days, how many of you remember that if you were hungry at home with no food, you could order a pizza? Now you can order anything to have delivered at your house. I think that's fabulous. I'm not opposed to grocery delivery or none of that, but the choices now are teaching them that they can have it their way, the way they want it now, and there's a parenting style that also feeds this lie, where the mom is making scrambled eggs and the kid wants fried, and mom is making French toast and the kid wants waffles and gets waffles. Teachers have been guilty of saying, you know, 300 to 400 word paper writing cursive blue ink, Kid is like, hey, if I type it and I'm willing to do 500, would that be okay? Okay, sure. Everybody say no. no. Yeah, it's a real word. It still works. <laughs> yeah. okay. oh. Was that relevant for anybody here? I want. I got to say something to you. If you have felt manipulated into saying yes to the things you did not want to say yes at, don't feel guilt or shame today. You are not responsible to know this before I've taught it to you. You didn't know it last Sunday or Wednesday or yesterday or this morning at breakfast. So no guilt or shame, but hope for tomorrow. Say hope for tomorrow. Yeah. And now what you know is that they're good at pushing your buttons and they're good at demanding what they think they need. And I'm empowering you to be better than that. To look them in the eye and say, I understand now why you are demanding. And I understand why you think it is your right to expect me to do whatever you want. I am not a monkey. You know that you, monkey on a chain, is that right? You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. So look at what it causes though, right? As if I think that I have a right to choice, then I'm overwhelmed because I'm trying to stay happy, but I don't know if I'll be happy doing that. I've never read Galatians before. I've never been a part of the Bible quiz. So really, should I do that? I've never done it. Will I be happy there? They're overwhelmed trying to decide based on happiness. It's hard for them to focus. How many of you know that's true even for some of us, right? How many of you are halfway through a book when any of you should read another book? Or have any of you been in a movie theater and you're like 20 minutes in thinking, maybe I should have gone to the other movie? Anybody? Now, I do not think 10 years ago we would have had that attitude. But now, because of all the choices and, and the happiness lie, which is in the air we breathe, it's hard. We argue and complain. Again, because, you know, keep me happy, give me choice. Never satisfied. God calls us to contentment. Paul. Oh, I think, I think God grieves how dissatisfied we are. So much. Always wanting more. Or always wanting different. And I do not say this to judge anyone in the room. We're doing the best we can. What I'm giving you is an honest appraisal of where this is happening. You know, you're not bad people if you've fallen into this. It's happening 
Big choices are hard. Um, big choices like college. By the way, I don't think everybody needs to go to college. That's a whole other discussion. Um, there's better questions than where do you want to do when you grow up and where do you want to go to school. But big choices are hard. Dating, um, college, career, how to spend my money. Big choices are hard because like if, if I go to Minnesota State, I can't go to the University of Minnesota. Right? If I date her, I probably shouldn't date her. <laughs> so choices are hard because it limits choices. And they love having what? Choices and options open, right? So again, what's God's job? To give them choice, which he does. I wonder if he's questioning that judgment. You know, like, was that the best decision he ever made? Uh, but obviously, we need to have choice um, with the parameters and the blessings from God. That's, again, that'll, that'll preach, and that's, that's a whole other thing. Let me say that, how many of you do teach? How many of you in our ministry of teaching? You, you teach at least some other time. The word choice is a powerful word. Use it. By the way, if you're pro-life like I am, uh, pro-choice is a very attractive word to the younger people who love having their choices open. So again, just be thinking about the language you use. Um, I think a preaching series about happy versus joy, um, making choices that honor God, I think those kinds of things will equip your students to understand and your adults to understand you know, what's going on. Two things that I'll mention in addition to that. The first idea here is to learn how to make decisions with solid standards. Amen? To learn how to make, learn, underline that word, learn how to make decisions. Don't tell them and then yell at them, but teach them how to make choices. Learn how to make decisions with solid, absolute standards. When I was young, be raised in church, we knew what was right and what was wrong. There was very much a clear standard in America for the way that we behave. And now, you know, I've said to young people, if you act on that temptation, that'll be sin. And they'll say to me, I'm going to go find me a church that'll teach me something different. And they can. They can even find a Bible now that has whited out the verses about homosexuality and other things. Makes me so angry. Because why? There's no standard. Well, we do have the standard. We know the truth. Amen. Proclaim it. And teach it and live it. And you don't have to justify it. He's God, for Pete's sake. Um, but oh my goodness, because right now they're making choices based on happy, unhappy. Accurate, inaccurate. Complete, incomplete. For you, against you. Biblical, not biblical. Mature, immature. Age appropriate, not age appropriate. You make thousands of decisions a day using a variety of standards. And this is what we need to be teaching our kids. We cannot expect them to change if we don't help them change. It doesn't do them any good for us to sit in the lounge and complain about their behavior. I like to say that complaining doesn't do anything except change a good attitude to bad. And if, you, if there's any part of you that is resonating with what I'm saying, you now have a responsibility to take the kid aside, the young adult aside, who's never satisfied and have a conversation. Jillian, you've talked with me about your anxiety and the fact that you're never satisfied and it's so hard for you to settle and you're always second-guessing yourself and you've wondered if you have anxiety. I heard a lady speak and she got me thinking and I wonder if the devices you use are causing you to think that you always have a right to choice and that's why you're not settled. And, you know, frankly, if we don't know God's best for us well enough, then we don't know what's best. And then we do question whether or not we've chosen what is best. Is that an example that you understand what I'm saying? I'm giving you 
information slash wisdom that I pray you respond well to. Notice, prioritize obedience. See, if you argue, now I'm talking here to parents, okay? Most of my work at Celebrate Kids is parent education. I'm so honored to be here today because I love the church. Um, I'm not suggesting you argue with children. You're church leaders. And you could have laughed at that. Um, But here's the thing. If we enter the debate with our children, teens and young adults, and we argue, we are suggesting that they have a right to choice. If bedtime's 8.30, bedtime's 8.30. If they eat their vegetables, they eat their vegetables. If they don't get away from the table until they've handwritten that or they've written out that verse in full, they don't leave the table until they've written out the verse in full. You have a right to your expectation. And if you give in every time and you honor, if you will, their complaining, then you're teaching them that they always have a right to choice in order to stay happy so that they're at the center. So we actually feed the lie. I love the phrase already answered. You know, we're, we're going to memorize the first five verses of Galatians. I'm really not in the, in the mood. First five verses of Galatians. I was thinking Colossians might be better this month. Already answered. And walk away. You're done. Already answered. Now, try it and email me and say it didn't work. Um, I am not foolish. I know that it will take some practice for them to take you seriously. But raise your hand if that's compelling to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm just giving you the power to be who you know you're supposed to be. The leader. And it's hard. And why is it hard? Because they're confused. They're not bad. They're confused. The liar is loud. Here's line number four. I am my own authority. Right? See, I have to be my own authority if, my, if I have to stay happy by making choices to stay at the center, then I have to be my own authority. So again, this is another reason I push back. How many of you have young people who push back? Children or people in your classes, your ministry. How many of you have volunteers even who, you know, well, aren't there other people who could serve on Saturday morning? That's kind of like my coffee with my boyfriend time. We're about Jesus, you know, and don't you just wish that would work? Um, So again, um, they come to this lie naturally if we don't combat the first three. We have an authority problem in our nation. And I'm not arrogant enough to think that it's only because of the lies, but I do think that the lies are relevant. I think technology is very relevant to that. Um, The convenience of technology. See, when I was a kid, I had to leave my bedroom and go find my dad to ask him a question. Now you can ask Siri a question. You can ask Alexa. Is that her name? I don't own one. Never will. By the way, don't call it a her. It's an it. Siri is an it. It's a computer programmed by liberals who don't love you, know the Lord, or know you. And why are you giving over your, I mean, seriously. I mean, you can ask Siri about, you know, a movie or a movie theater close to this restaurant, but you ought not be asking Siri about God. It will tell you, and it will lie. When I'm in front of hundreds of thousands of um, young people this summer, I will challenge them in my presence to go to Google and download a computer voice and change Siri from the Australian hunk of a guy to a computer voice, and they do it. They clap for me, not for me. They clap for the wisdom they're desperate to apply so that they don't live in the constant state of dissatisfaction and internal anger. You give them these lies, you give them a, a, a gift. 
because they'll move from some self-hatred that I think some of them are experiencing because they are angry with themselves for the way they're living, and you're going to help them understand where that's coming from. There are authority failures in our country. When I was young, there were authority failures, but we didn't know about it because we did not have 24-7, 365, quote-unquote, news. Now when there is a war in Ukraine, you can watch it live. When there's a tornado in Kansas, like last night, you can watch it live. When there's death, you can watch it. You can read any obituary about anybody posted that you never even met because you're fascinated by death. It's sick, people. Sick. Well, we had, I'm joking. You could have laughed. It's probably not sick, actually, but that's, I'm not a mental health expert. But here's the thing. Children are being exposed to real difficulties when they're developmentally not ready because they can see the filth live. Do not flippantly say to a young person, God is good. Is he good? Of course he is. He declares himself good. When I was a kid, I didn't doubt that because I saw good everywhere I went. Today you say God is good and God is faithful and God is love and they're looking at death and destruction and dysfunction and divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and it's just messy. So all of that combines with I am my own authority. The song Let It Go from the movie Frozen, which millions of children memorized, includes this lyric. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And we wonder why they won't do what you tell them to do. This is why, again, they argue, they debate, they're angry. There's that word again. They're not teachable. I am my own authority. I do not need you, Dad. I don't need you, Pastor. I have an app on my phone, and it'll tell me what I need. They're confused, of course, because they don't know enough yet. They isolate because they don't think they need anybody. And again, what is God's job? I will boss him around because I am my own authority. And so it's so challenging. Could I ask you guys a question? How many of you, I just feel like I want to ask this, and don't lie to me, but how many of you have renewed compassion for the young people? Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody? Oh, it's really good. Thank you for saying that because I think this is hard. It's hard for me to teach this because I feel like I'm slamming millions of people. It's not anyone's fault. Could I just boldly say that I would be like them if I was their age? I would. Why would I think that I would not have succumbed to the lies of technology if my brain wasn't finished when I started to use it? We've got to stop judging. and We've got to start loving and caring and having compassion and then teaching truth that transforms so that they walk, walk out of the mess. So what do we do in addition to all that? You know, help them find and be an available mentor. You know, recognize that they've got Google and they've got, you know, Siri and they've got Alexa and they've got, you know, whatever. There's search engines and there's so much of that kind of stuff. So be available to them and um, help them find others who will teach them and stop arguing. Because when we argue with young people and enter into that debate again, we're suggesting that, you know, they can be their own authority. So not only does arguing and debating contribute to the mess of choice, it also contributes to the mess of, hey, you know, you might as well just be in charge. Now, if you are raising a hard-to-raise kid, I get it. So I don't, have, I don't have time, but the reason I write books is this is a conversation. This is you go for a walk. Angela, I owe you such an apology. I've argued and suggested by that that you were really your own authority. But you're not. And I need to earn back the respect by saying no and yes appropriately. 
so that you can walk on the narrow path and, um, and live rightly. Again, there's, there's much more I would say, but you all doing okay? Yeah, I really appreciate that. So, um, again, there's a truth, obviously. Now, lie number five. You read, so, lie number one, um, I'm the center of my own universe. Lie two, um, I deserve to be happy all the time. Therefore, lie three, I must have choice. Therefore, I am, an author- my, I am my own authority. And here's lie number five. Information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. So, this is another authority lie. They don't need you. They don't need pastors. They don't need teachers. This is why the dropout rate is what it is. Because they believe that on their own, they can have whatever it is that they need. Um, information is everywhere. There's Google.com. There, how many of you have uh, text alerts on your phone when something happens? And how many of you get email blasts when something happens? And there's a split screen for the news with a crawl across the bottom. You can be at a restaurant with a sports game on TV, and if something happens, there's a crawl across the bottom. There is information everywhere, so they think it's all they need. The public schools in particular test way too often trivia that's unnecessary because it will not change your life. And so they believe, especially, and I honor you if your kids are there, but if they're there, they are learning that all that matters is what color is George Washington's white horse. That's a true test question, which is just disgusting. Um, And I'm giving you a little bit of my bias. (laughs) A little bit. Uh, All right. Um, So these are some things that happen, of course, because of this lie. They're not teachable. So they're not teachable because they think they're their own authority. And they're not teachable because information is all they need. And they can look up the answer. Two plus two equals four. It's not, it's not hard, Dad. They don't dig deep. Are any of you concerned about that? One of the things I'm very concerned about in our schooling, even at the university level and in our churches, is people satisfied with what I call the first hit of the search engine. Children who are capable of doing challenge spelling words, longer papers, having five resources for a paper rather than the required two, only do two because that's all you require. How many of you have kids not in the Bible quiz clubs because, yeah, it's just not, you know, for me. But you know it would be good for them to dig deeper and to be challenged. They're easily frustrated. Why? Because information does not let them solve the problems they want to solve. So they've seen the world broken on the World Wide Web. And that can be a really scary, frustrating thing if they don't have the wisdom they need to fix the problem. Do you know what the Google effect is? The Google effect is knowing something and immediately not knowing it. How many of you suffer from that? Right? The person's name, email address, phone number, do you turn left or right? What time does the workshop start? What room is it in? What's her name? Or the, the verse, you know, what was the chapter and verse for that? No, the Google effect, we don't process. We don't process. We're so satisfied to stay at that superficial level, and it's really dangerous. Um, the dropout rate, again, we could talk about all day. They don't accomplish their goals. Those are some of the things that happen. So what do we do? Uh, just quickly, believe it or not, we should be quiet more often because in quiet, wisdom rises. How many of you have had that happen? When you're quiet, you have aha ideas? You know, you might be doing something, emptying the dishwasher, jogging, mowing the lawn, folding laundry, just hanging out. You're, but you're quiet, and in the quiet, wisdom rises. I work out at a gym in Fort Worth, and I almost always have a golf pencil and a piece of paper in my pocket because we'll be doing something that has nothing to do with anything, and I'll have an aha idea. 
related to the new book. And my trainer, Linda, just allows me to pause and jot down a key word so I remember it. Wisdom rises. We have generations who don't know quiet. And one of the reasons they don't like quiet is that if you're quiet, you have to wrestle with your own thoughts, and they don't like their own thoughts. Now, I'm going to say something. This is not about me, but I fly every week, and I'm very music smart. I went to the university I went to to march in the band. I used to play 20 instruments, but I don't listen to any music in my ears. I don't watch movies. I don't watch TV on an airplane. I take that as a quiet rest because it's good for my soul. Now, I could quote you chapter and verse, uh, be quiet, where Jesus, the busiest man, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest and other passages. Um, and then seek wisdom. Wisdom is agreeing with God. I, that's my definition. Wisdom is a perspective. Wisdom is God, right? One of the reasons they'll never be satisfied with information is they, they were created for God. And God declares himself to be wise. You need wisdom, ask me. So we have generations of lost people, or even people who have said they're, they, they're a Christ follower, but they're not growing. Why aren't they growing? Because they're not digging. Why? Because they don't think they need anything but the right answer. What I would call the Jesus Sunday school answer. You guys with me? Do you still like me? I don't care. Um, <laughs> that's a lie. I really do care. Um, I will also define wisdom as the right application of the right information with the right outcome. So wisdom is agreeing with God or having a perspective. Wisdom is also the right application of the right information with the right outcome. And this is what we need to create in our churches as a chance for our young people to use what they've learned. So they've learned verses about joy, put them in a position where they're going to have to be joyful, and it's a choice. They've studied, if you study verses about service and they don't serve, you've, you, you've missed the mark. Because they're not doing a good job in traditional schools of applying information because there's, there's no time. Turn the page, turn the page, there's another test. We can be better in the church. Amen? Again, the lie would be that information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. There's a way to word the truth, and I would invite you to wrestle with that. Now, I'm going to close this out, and I know I need to allow uh, some time for questions. Just other quick things. Remember I mentioned that it's not, it's not your fault you've become like this. I bought you the device. It's not my fault. I bought it for you. We're not going to place blame. It just is what it is, but we can do better. Let's stop it. I like the phrase, I love you too much to argue with you. It's not good for your heart or our relationship, so we're done. And I'm so sorry that I allowed it to ever occur. Would you work with me to try to remember we're going to love each other well? Use we instead of you. Don't any of you go home and say to your kids, you're going to make some changes now that I went to that equip conference. <laughs> we. In fact, raise your hand. How many of you know you need to make some changes? Oh, look at you humble people. Love that. So you go home and you say, or you go into your class, your youth group, your children's church, your choir, hey, I've got some great news. We're going to grow up together. <laughs> and then there is a difference between need and want. There's the want the device, the need the device, and that's a conversation you know, we could have. Um, there's a lot in my book, again, hundreds of ideas. Let me um, say two more things, and then we'll have time for just a few questions. I will be available throughout the day when I'm not speaking Notice that it says teach relevant scripture, and I need to just clarify that so none of you panic. I believe that all of the Bible is relevant. It would not be in the scripture it was if it wasn't for us. However, what I mean by that is we only have a few short years with these young people who are impressionable, 
And if we're right that these are lies they believe that are sending them to a dark space, then I want us to teach scripture related to these lies. I think we need to have VBSs and children's churches and um, classes and even a, a, a Sunday morning sermon series about the opposite of the lies. I don't say that with any arrogance. I hope you know that. I just think that what kids are telling me is, Dr. Kathy, the Bible's boring. It's not relevant. I have no evidence God knows me from what goes on in my church. I know, Dr. Kathy, that the Bible says he knows me. I honor that. I get that. You've taught me that. However, Dr. Kathy, lady, we don't do anything where I go to church that would affirm that I matter. And so I just want to throw that out there and don't own that if that's not yours to own. But if that's challenging to you, you know, look ahead. And what are you going to be teaching in the next six months? You know, curriculum doesn't teach. Teachers teach. And so I don't know anything about the curriculum you all use. If it's not good, why are you using it? And tell the people in Springfield to make some changes. I dare you. Mention my name. I don't know. Well, <laughs> mention Dave Reaver's name. They love him. Um, <laughs> a colleague of Dave Reaver's suggests that we might want to look at this. Um, I don't know. That's probably really foolish. Um, just for, what, for what's, if you're interested at all. Um, everybody else says to me, well, Kathy, you know, when do I get my kids a phone? Well, you get your kids a phone when they need a phone, not when they want a phone. And, they, and character age is what should cause you to decide. Now, I'm talking to you as your parents. How many of you influence parents, though? How many of you are pastors and you have a chance to influence parents? So they're asking you these questions, right? I'm not sure if I should get my 12-year-old a phone. Everybody else has one. Well, that's a lie. Your kid doesn't, so all that. But we're fans of Gab at Wireless. They have a phone that looks just like an iPhone. It weighs just like an iPhone. It's the same size as an iPhone. It's only $150. But if you enroll with the word celebrate, you'll get $25 off. But there's no internet. There's no social media. There's no games. And you can never add them. It comes with only 14 essential apps. You can never add an app. It comes with a front and back camera, Bluetooth, radio, folders, flashlight, uh, calculator, calendar. So it's a great first device. It also has a watch. It takes steps. Both the watch and the phone can be geofenced for safety. So if your child walks a block out or a step out of the zone, you get an alert on your phone uh, that your child is in an insecure space. So if you're in a situation where you're trying to advise people on watches and phones, check out gabwireless.com. Consider it. I make no money off of this. You will save money if you use my code. I'm just trying to give you an option because I think it's a real issue of you know, when do you get the devices, so check that out if you want. I've gone a little bit long. I apologize. I have a few minutes for questions. Who wants to start? And, and maybe you can just shout it or Chris can help. Oh, the book came in. Oh, that's such good news. Thank you. So Screens and Teens is the book that I just spoke from. Uh, no More Perfect Kids is another great book. Five to Thrive just arrived. This is the book from my morning keynote. So if you enjoyed kind of the what we believe about purpose, this would be the best book to buy. This is the only book I've written not for parents. This is a book for people. You can apply it as a parent. Um, it's what we think is the most important book I've, I've written. So check that out if you want. Uh, no pressure at all. But we would, we would love your support in that way. Thank you, Chris. Who has a question? I think we might have time for one. And I apologize for that. But hang out with me. After the next session, during lunch, uh, feel free to interact with me. Go ahead. Hi, I'm a mom of three, and I grew up in a home where authority was very important, and whatever your parents said, that's what went. Um, but as I got older, it became, you don't have a voice. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter your opinion. This is what we said, so that's how. Um, how do you balance that 
with respect authority, but also I want to hear your opinions. I, you have a voice. Um, where's the balance there? That's, that's a great question. How do you respectfully allow young people to have influence or in, input into your decisions? How do you respect that? So a couple of things real quick. Tone of voice. You know, if you whine at me, we're done. With me? If you, if I say it's bedtime and the first words out of your mouth are yes, but, we're done. You with me here? So disrespect shows up with the eye roll. And by the way, kids are like, oh, I didn't roll my eyes. No, you rolled your eyes. Well, I didn't mean to. Well, they don't just roll. <laughs> I mean, everybody try it right now. Roll your eyes without deciding to roll them. No, no. So physical evidence of disrespect. Eye contact, um, yes, but, um, a, tone, a tone of voice that would be a whiny, complaining tone. You all know what I mean. Um, the always having to come back. Okay, because you are choosing to disrespect my input. Everybody say choose. That's your power. Every behavior starts with choice. Every behavior, good and bad, starts with choice. So part of your power is you have chosen to disrespect, you chose to talk back, you chose to question my authority. No, I didn't mean, no, you did choose. So that's powerful. So look for evidence, because evidence doesn't lie. If they have a question without uh, a, a shoulder shrug and a tone of voice, then you listen and you ask for support. Can you provide support? And then you say, I'm going to consider that, and guess what? I'm going to look for evidence that you're right. So mom, I can handle it, right? You know, then I'm going to look for evidence that you treat your sister well and that you come back on time. I know somebody who um, just purchased the, the first phone for their 17-year-old, and in the first month, it's been hell on earth. And they've taken it away. By the way, don't ever give a child a phone and say, here's your phone. No, you pay for it. It's your phone. Here is a phone we are allowing you to use for a season. We'll take it back as soon as you indicate that you're not ready. So now I'm back to character age. Are they patient, other-centered, respectful, et cetera, et cetera? So um, that's, I hope that's satisfying. It's, they have a right to opinion, but I'm, as some of you heard me say yesterday, I'm not a fan of the word opinion. And those of us who are Christ followers should never base anything on opinion. We live based on the holy, accurate word of God. And maybe I would say common sense and experiences of what happened last month, you know, and last year. So to train your children to have support for their belief, well, in my opinion, well, your opinion isn't solid enough for me to base my choices on. Don't use the word opinion. That's a nuance, but I think it's significant. One more, or should we go? One more? Take one or two more real quick. One or two more yeah, questions. Start till 11.15, yeah, yeah. right? One or two more. Yeah, way back here. Yeah, thank you. I love that. That was well done. Um, he remembers that I hinted when we were talking about um, helping children handle hard emotion. Remember the happy lie. One of my concerns is that they don't process the harder emotion. And I hinted that that's especially important for boys. And here's why. And I'm really glad you asked that. So boys and men have as many emotions as women and girls, but they do not have vocabulary for emotions. Women can be angry, upset, mad, disappointed, full of revenge, ticked off, and just done. <laughs> what else would women be? Um, women have a thesaurus, right? You guys know it. If you're married, you know it. That is so adorable. Watching you is so much fun. 
Um, by the way, again, single and not married. Uh, single, obviously, not married, not a parent. But based on solid research and talking to my colleagues, um, boys are mad. Mad is a safe male emotion. But let me tell all of you men who are being so respectful that anger is never the first emotion. Never. Anger is always caused by something. Loss, disappointment, embarrassment, grief, shame, fear, right? You guys could probably tell me, oh, Kathy, shoot, you're right. So here's what happens when I speak to young people. The, the, the young men, 25 and under, who I work with a lot, they'll like say to me, Kathy, you're right. I go to the cross, and I repent of my anger, and I wake up angry. Then they give up on themselves and God because they never were helped to identify the cause of the visible anger. So one of the reasons that hard emotions are difficult for especially boys to process is they don't have language. And how many of you know language is powerful? In fact, how many of you found the language I've just given you powerful, right? It's not about me. But how many of you knew a lot of what I said today? You knew. You've seen it, right? You've seen entitlement. You've seen quick anger. You've seen impatience. All I did was give you the framework which empowers you now to pass it on. So to help the boys especially handle the hard emotions, we need to do a better job as women and men of teaching them the vocabulary. And guys, your role modeling in front of your sons and the men in your programs is really important. In fact, we believe so strongly in it that in the book No More Perfect Kids that I wrote with Jill Savage, there's an appendix of emotional vocabulary to help you teach the definitions of vocabulary. It's like a thesaurus. All the words that could mean anger, all the words that could mean sad. Now, if you're not going to buy the book, take a picture of that appendix if you want, or just you know, do your own work to figure that out. Is that helpful? Yeah, I hope that that's helpful. Another question. Yeah. Thoughts on like homeschooling and how to know like we're kind of getting to the stage where we're going to make a decision on whether or not we want to do that, but. I mean, just based on like your research and stuff, thoughts on just that area. I know it could be a whole discussion, but just thoughts on that. Okay, I can't, I can't understand everything with these microphones. I, can you understand me okay? Yeah. I sure hope so. So you're asking about homeschooling and how to make the decision? Yeah. Carefully. Um, so watch the new Kirk Cameron movie. It's called Kirk Cameron Presents the Homeschool Awakening. He just posted it on Facebook and Instagram yesterday. It will be a Fathom presentation in your local theater June 13th and 14th. It's been paid for by TBN, and I'm one of the experts in that movie. It's a great movie for people who are considering homeschooling, for those of you who do it to stay in the trenches, and for those of you that don't understand it and want to be able to support the people who value the choice. It really will help you. Um, homeschooling is an extension of great parenting. Anybody can homeschool who wants to parent their children well. You learn with your children, so don't think you don't know enough to homeschool. You will always be your child's best teacher because you love them more than anyone else. In fact, I say in the movie, documentary, I say in the documentary that on your worst day, you are your child's best teacher because of the love that you have for your kiddos. You get to choose uh, methodology, curriculum, schedule, and all of that. How many of you homeschool? Just some of you. So you could talk. Raise your hands again so she could just see. 
So maybe if you want, I bet they would be willing to talk with you about why they've made the decision and how it's working. Um, there's more I could say, but I want to be respectful, and I'll leave it at that. But I appreciate the question. All right, um, let's let's take a break. Or do you want? What do you want to do? Is there any burning questions in a this room? You're like, Doctor Kathy, please, please, right now. Okay, we got another one. Here we go. I'm a small group leader um, with Chi Alpha, and yeah. something we're seeing, especially with college students, is they don't go deep. Like, th there's no, it's all surface level. Like, you can try and pour into them and pray for them, but they won't go deep. Like, you get to this point, and then it's done. And um, we're just also seeing, like, a lack of commitment, um, especially with, like, intimacy. So it's like, they they will come to large group, but they won't come to small group. Or they'll come to small group because they they can hide in a way, but they'll come to large group because they they want to be seen or something like that. So it's like, how do you how do you navigate that? So Chi Alpha, so I'm a huge fan, um, college ministry. Um, so thank you for what you're doing. How many of you are Chi Alpha? Um, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Um, not going deep emotionally and sharing vulnerably. That's part of what you mean, isn't it? And also not going deep maybe in the scripture. I would, I would say I have you figured out. I would go in next week and say, you know, I went to the Equip conference on Friday and Saturday. And, uh, oh, I thought of you all day long. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to mention me. But let them know that you're concerned for the generation. I mean, seriously, let them know that they're not alone in their decision to sat be satisfied by information. And then share the testimony of information isn't enough to change the world. We were created to be influential, amen? We were created to have an impact, amen? We were created to leave the world a better place, and information will not allow us to do that. And so if they're Chi Alpha serious Christ followers, I, I would encourage you to let them know, because a lot of college-age people that I work with, they love this talk. Like, I'm rated number one. It's embarrassing. They love this talk because somebody's finally shown them why they disgust themselves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, they, they, I give them language. They go, well, no wonder. So I would encourage you to be very honest and, and say, you know, we, we've kind of got your game. Not that we're going to call you out and embarrass you with it, but just process whether or not you have, you know, you drank the Kool-Aid. You know, and you're thinking that this is good enough, but God called you for more. And then, I think you prove that going deep emotionally is beneficial. Tell a story of a time when you were vulnerable and you shared your heart with a, a leader of Chi Alpha when you were a college student. And man, it was awkward and it was tense. And for a month, it was really hard making eye contact with your leader. But then you saw the benefit of the honest vulnerability and you're better for it. And then how many of you have had a scripture come alive in a new way? Would you raise your hand? Like, it's a known verse, right? It's a known verse. Like, I've got one for you. I said this yesterday. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? That's not a t-shirt slogan. That's a Bible verse. One of the things I love showing children is it does not say I can be all things. See, I could not be a jockey on a horse. How many of you just saw it? That is, like, scary. I am eating my knees. The horse is really upset that somebody 200 pounds more than is appropriate is on. But that verse says, I can do all things. It does not say I can be all things. 
That's an example. But Psalm 23, Psalm 46, John 3.16, take a verse they think they know and dissect it with definitions and phrases and cross-referencing and four different versions of that verse, et cetera, et cetera, and watch what happens. All right? And show them the depth of deep. All right. Chris, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. All right. Hey, one quick last question. Right now, the, the new pacifier is like, hey, 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 be quiet, be quiet. Here, here's, here's dad's phone. Here's mom's phone. Here's mom's phone. So how do you talk to parents about that without shaming them or like, hey, by the way, you're destroying your child's life. I mean, how do you like, <laughs> how would you navigate that conversation? Are you thinking of Chloe? No, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. Um, that's really hard. Uh, parents, not you and Kristen, some parents are lazy. Some parents are isolating into their own happiness and unwilling to soothe and have a conversation and go where the child wants to go. We've got to get better at walking toward them. Instead, you know, I can quote you dangerous research about brain development and eye development for these children who have been on devices from the get-go. It's, I would not want to be a pre-K kindergarten teacher to save my life in the future, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I have compassion, and then I would challenge them to stop it. And I would, you know, put a deck of cards in your purse, put a, um, you know, a board book in your purse, and stop being on your device. We're, how many of you pick up a device at a red light for fear that you'll be bored? It's a red light. 67 seconds. And we pick up our phone for fear that we might miss out on something. Like, I get it. So the parent works for the parent because the parent can't handle her own thoughts. And so, yeah, I'm rambling a little bit. But I have compassion, I have understanding, and I have concern. What I've been told is that people who hear me speak about this are more encouraged to develop a different way, uh, but I don't suggest that it's easy. And then I would also say, you know, we would never let a kid color for eight hours a day. You never let a kid swing on the swing set for eight hours a day. You don't ever let them eat Jello eight hours a day or Oreo cookies, good Lord. Um, so why do we think that it's okay that they're constantly on a device? So I would. I would speak it with love. And then one of the advice that I have, um, in fact, it's, I'll back it up if you see it on the screen. Um, right there, provide alternatives and keep them visible. Um, stop putting the games in the game closet. My executive director who's outside with their oldest daughter, Maddie, they took the doors off of their game closet and replaced them with glass so that they can see the games. So you put a Sudoku book, now this isn't for a two-year-old, but you put a Sudoku book on the table and the coloring. Our, our three-year-old does Sudoku, but yeah, yeah, yeah for, for the know. general, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for your preteens and teens. You put the coloring book, the Sudoku book, the, the crayons, the checkers, the football, the, the frisbee, the soccer ball, you leave some of that out. Because if children live there, there should be evidence they live there. It's their house too, and I mean that. And, um, and then they're, they're more likely to come in and say, hey, Dad, want to wanna play checkers? Dad, you were going to teach me how to play chess. You know, can we do that? Because out of sight, out of mind. And that's why, again, we leave our phones in the basket by the door as well.
All right, that's a, that's a little bit. Again, if you guys are readers, and it is on Audible if you prefer, but really hundreds of ideas, I'd be honored to autograph later if you want. Chris, thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Let's show some appreciation for Dr. Kathy Gilk. Thank you so much. Yes.